0: Welcome to Q&A, A A Deeper Dive, with Sam Holm and other guests as we dig deeper into the sermon content each week. And welcome to the podcast. I'm Mark Presley, and you're listening to A Deeper Dive, as I said just a second ago on that nifty little intro. I'm here uh, with Sam. We had Ryan the week before. Hopefully you listened to that one. As I say all the time, like, share, uh, post, review, whatever. Give us questions, too. Uh, You can do that by texting word question 96123, and I'm excited. I know, Sam, we talked ahead of time. We got a number of questions this week. Yes, there
1: was—yeah, I'm excited that you are excited, Church, about this conversation. Hopefully we can dive deeper into Mark chapter 13 and we
0: were dealing with a little bit of prophecy not a little bit a lot of bit of prophecy and uh which always brings out opinions from both sides and as you said before we went we have some passionate people on both sides of the aisle if we use some political terms there um with this with what we discussed in in Mark 13. And we encourage you to share it. Actually, before you even recap, I'll tell you, one of the questions came in was, how do I find the podcast? (laughs) And we need you guys' help uh, to uh, share that, to like that, to post that, to tell other people. But obviously, you found it because you're listening to it, but you need to search for a deeper dive with Sam Holm.
1: Yeah. So Uh, how how do you answer the question on a podcast, how you find the podcast? The only way you really answer that is the, the reason we invite you to like, share, comment it's because it gets it to other people and not because we want to feel good about ourselves it actually gets it in the hands of other people so and the whole goal
0: we've said this many times is not about us and it's not about sharing that it's it's try to dig deeper into God's word and kind of discuss the sermon that you things you can't discuss in a 30 uh, 40 minute sermon of Sam's preaching uh, joking a little bit with that one but a 30 35 minute sermon. Uh, as we go in. Sometimes 50-minute, depends on...
1: An ADD 30-minute sermon.
0: But uh, let's get going right away. Again, if you want to listen to last week's sermon, firstmckinney.com slash on demand. And I already said text question 96123, but that's the best way to get those in. Um, And we're ramping up to Easter um, and all that. I know this week we have something exciting, and hopefully I'll mention that at the end of the podcast with the Seder presentation. But before I do, recap... The exciting sermon we had last week
1: for us, Sam. So, we are walking through the book of Mark. We were in Mark chapter 13. Uh, this is Tuesday in Jesus' last week before he dies and he rises again. He goes into. Spoiler alert if you didn't know that. There you go. The tomb is empty. Jesus goes into Jerusalem. The religious leaders in the temple really uh, refute and attack his authority. Uh, you can't obviously refute the authority of God. Jesus is God. Jesus leaves the temple, and his disciples marvel at how beautiful the temple is. And Jesus says, hey, there's not going to be a stone here that's cannot going to be left unturned. And then they go up onto the Mount of Olives overlooking the temple, and the disciples ask, when is this going to take place, and what will the signs be? And Jesus actually answers them in reverse order. He tells them what the signs will be and when it will happen. And then he really gets to the main, I think, point of how we should live in light of it. And I said, hey, there's two different views, really, uh, two primary views on what Jesus is talking about here. If you look just at Luke, I mean, sorry, Mark, where, where we are, it would seem that Jesus is just talking about the destruction of the temple. And a lot of the prophecy that we see in this passage takes place in 70 A.D., Some, if you look at Matthew only, even though they've just talked about the temple, it might look like, well, Jesus is actually talking about when he comes back in the end of the earth. My personal stance is there's a double fulfillment of most of this prophecy in Scripture in that this took place in 70 AD and will take place more fully when Jesus comes back. Just like a lot of the Old Testament prophecy that New Testament writers tell us was pointing to Jesus happened in the life of Israel. So
0: we want I'm, I'm gonna interrupt you and say, cause you said you're personal. And I would tell you, we do encourage, go and research it yourself. Absolutely. Like, go and start looking what the scriptures tell you and and discover that. We don't want to just cause Sam says it it's it's true. You That's know, right. there's very good chance it is, but make sure you are studying that yourself and don't just take his words, and go, oh, that's Scripture. It's not. He's interpreting Scripture, and uh, we need to go from there. Sorry I interrupted.
1: So, yeah, so he then goes through the signs that there are going to be people claiming to be the Messiah, wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, famines, persecutions of Christians, uh, the gospel being preached to all nations, family conflict, abomination in the temple that will mess up worship, tribulation, in fact, the great tribulation is talked about there, false teachers in signs, even in the sky. And y'all are laughing at me because I was having having a little Issue trying a little to hiccup, yeah, little hiccup. Yeah, that's right.
0: But this is you know yeah. not live radio yet. Live, we're gonna keep going. Yeah, there you go. And it, it, it is kind of funny to watch you struggle through
1: that though. And now I'm I'm blushing actually. You and, are, and, and you, you can't say because it and a, you
0: said abomination, and I immediately thought of the Marvel character too. If we say where mine, why, there mine went, there but,
1: you go. <laughs> so here, so the signs he lists the signs, yes. and he said it'll be the, they will be like birth pains, and I, I think there's there's a lot in that illustration. I mean that the, they will increase with frequency become more severe. But in the end, it's going to be a wonderful thing when it happens, right? When Jesus comes back, just like when you have the baby. So what are the signs? Then when will it happen? And as, as he talks about when it will happen, one of the more controversial passages in all of the Gospel of Mark is when Jesus says, this generation will not pass away. Uh, One of the reasons I believe in the double fulfillment of the prophecy is I think that the surface reading of that verse is within 40 years, this is going to happen. And we know that that did happen with the fall of the temple. I think the same thing will happen when we start seeing these signs at the end of the world, when they really all start taking place, that the generation will not pass away. It'll happen within 40 Years now, what does that mean fully? You know, there's seven years. There's also, I mean, there, we could talk about a lot related to the tribulation and the other prophecies in the New Testament that affirm a lot of what Jesus says here that will take place in the end times. So, when will it happen? He said, "Generation will not pass," but no one knows the the hour and time. And this is not the only place. There are people that will go to this verse and say, "Well, this verse pushes people away from studying prophecy," and I think that's true. A lot of people don't do what Jesus is going to tell us to do next, which is stay awake, to be on guard, to look out. To He He wants us to be watching for the prophecy that scripture tells us of his, of his second coming again my stance on what the passage refers to so uh that, but he does say no one's going to know the date or hour no one's no one's going to know that time and i shared even as I was studying the passage myself i started thinking oh look here's this was and i started I started even wanting to go to date. I can now. tell
0: you, are excited because you're talking very. If they're listening to you on two times speed right now, then it's going to be. There's no telling what kind of chipmunk you sound like. There you go. Because this might be the fastest you've talked. And I mean, you're going like 50 miles an hour. As you're uh, uh, slow down, tell yeah. us about. Yeah.
1: So <laughs> the main then uh, point I think that he makes in the Mount of Olives is that how do we live? And it's to be on guard. He says it three different times. In the, the end of the, the the story there, he tells us a, a parable about a guy that's going away, and he leaves people with tasks to do and says, stay awake, stay awake, stay awake four different times, be on guard. So he wants us to be alert. He's coming back, and I believe he's coming back soon. That's a revelation at the end of the book that we hold in our hands and preach from. Come, Lord Jesus, he's coming back, so we are to stay awake, and that's what we walk and, through. And we even, in some of the...
0: Pre sermon application. We have a team that looks over some of that for you and researches. And we were talking about that, that you start listing some of these things. And I said, I have a personal checklist that goes off in my head that, oh, wars, we've got Ukraine, Russia, you know, and every t- earthquakes, Turkey, check and go through all that. So it does
1: feel like those end times. But the truth is, we don't know. That's right. We, 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 I think, and if you look throughout the history of the world, there are people that thought he was really coming back at a certain date and time by looking at all the biblical prophecy and saying it has already been fulfilled. I don't think. That we have to wait on something else to happen, uh, because I believe that Jesus could come back literally while we we're recording this podcast, and all Scripture would be fulfilled. Now, that being said, there's some other things that I look for. Like one of them related to the abomination of death. I think the temple will be rebuilt, uh, and there will be a restarting of worship in the temple before Jesus returns. Now, the flip side of that. I think there's something right now that could be interpreted as the abomination of desolation that sits on top of the Temple Mount. So, yeah, we're not waiting for something to happen, but we're watching the signs, and I think it's exciting to see that play out. I
0: like that. Not waiting, but watching. Yes not waiting,
1: almost like a tornado. I never know which
0: one is the watch and which one is the (laughs) warning. (laughs) Like, when is the tornado coming? Just tell me that. But half the time, there's tornado watch, tornado warning. Not to make light of that. Okay, so we got a whole bunch of questions that came in. I hope we can get to all of them. And as excited as you are, I get excited when my phone on Sunday morning starts pinging and going off because the questions are coming in. So... We're going to kind of do this shotgun style because they don't really, they relate to what you talked about, but there's not a, I normally can put a path that we walk through. So we're just going to hit them randomly. But starting with the first one, this person wrote in, um, are you, basically, we heard this morning's sermon and wanted to know if the church, so the church as a whole, us, believes in a pre-tribulation rapture.
1: No. Uh, the church does not have a stance. Personally, I've gone back and forth. This is, again, we're about to jump into just big theological words, right? I've gone back back and forth personally between being a pre-trib rapture and an amillennialist, which actually believes we don't have to wait for the return of Christ because the church age right now is Jesus ruling. Right now, my my personal stance is I'm a dispensational premillennialist when it comes to the end times, which means I do believe in a pre-trib rapture. However had breakfast yesterday morning with a man that I love big time that is an amillennial. he doesn't believe we have to wait on a rapture of the church before Jesus comes back and uh, and we were having fun just talking together and he was growing my faith and helping me see things in scripture that were helpful for me and vice versa I was doing the same for him So I believe that the main thing, uh, that Jesus saved the world, he's coming back, right? uh, We have a Savior King. Like, this is not a divisive, and so our church does not have a church stance. Personally, if you held me down, I'd say yes, I think there's going to be a pre-tribulation rapture of the saints, and then there'll be a seven-year great tribulation uh, before a millennial reign of Christ here on earth after Armageddon. Wow. Wow. Okay, yeah. <laughs> some big words there. Can I, can I two more things? I'll add to that. Um, one of the things that pushed me a little bit because I also I grew up pre-trib rapture. That's what uh, that was the faith I grew up with. But pushed me to really entertain the amillennial position is I learned the pre-tribulation rapture is really in the last one hundred years of the church. Uh, a, a fairly new theology. Uh, there was uh, some way early in uh, Christian faith, there's some uh, a history that shows us there were some early Christians that actually also believed in the pre-trib rapture. But most of the church thought, the history of the church, thought the millennial reign of Christ, whether that's how, does that mean exactly a thousand years, was taking place through the Holy Spirit ruling and reigning through Christians here on earth. Um, and so that was like, when I need to entertain this more, if I'm actually in the minority of Christians, um, and that's, that's why I would say, Hey, we, we should not be prideful in our position or be, because we like, become like Pharisees and the Pharisees are the ones that miss Jesus. If we think we've got it all figured out related to that. So
0: I think that's, that's the take home for me. It's, it's. Not having pride in our position. And that sounds bad how I say it that way, but I'm saying no, that you're not thing. willing to listen to the other side. Yeah. And when we stop listening, then we're not watching. Yeah. And we're not we're worried more about our opinion than we
1: are that's right.
0: about Jesus. Good words. Know? So yeah. um, I think that's key. Okay, jump into the next question. Uh, in 70 AD, The temple, and this one actually came in two or three times. So this person really wants it answered. And I don't know who it is. They just come in. But in 70 AD, the temple desecrated. uh, I'm sorry, I'm having trouble reading right now. Uh, Was the temple desecrated before its destruction? And question mark. Was there a man of sin at that time too? Question mark. So so explain a
1: little and then answer. So the, the those that take the stance that this was only fulfilled in the destruction of the temple uh, go to great uh, effort to help you see what this could have been. Um. In addition to that, uh, those that believe like double fulfillment, like which I am, so I, I, I think that there was a form of that. So there there are three different ways that you can look at this actually happening. Uh, first, and I had to, for, for the fun of it, you need to know I knew these names, but I had to look up dates and times and all this this morning to answer this question. So whoever you are, you're helping us dive deeper right now. And okay. that's
0: that's the whole purpose, you know, is to study more. And we would encourage, even even I personally would say, if you differ from what we're talking about here, please come and have a conversation with me.
1: Yeah, so uh, he's quoting right now. Jesus is out of prophecy in Daniel chapter eleven, which is where we're going to be in a little while, jumping into the book of Daniel after we finish Mark. So they they shall defile the sanctuary fortress. Then they shall take away and daily the daily sacrifices and place there an abomination of desolation. That's what it reads. We know through the history that we have that between the writing of the Old Testament and the New Testament, there was a, a man by the name of Antiochus who came into the temple in Jerusalem, and he was this, this uh, Greek king, and he conquered... Egypt, or well, he, he got in trouble trying to conquer Egypt, but he persecuted the Jews and all that kind of stuff. But he did desecrate the temple, and in the temple, this man Antiochus sacrificed pigs on the offering altars. Which are the pig, if you know Jewish, they were they were uh, unclean animals. Uh, to uh, and he put up also a great statue of an Olympian a Zeus a, a god, and so and he made the Jews worship it. Uh, So many thought, okay, well, Daniel's being fulfilled right now, and I would tell you Daniel was being fulfilled right then, but I don't think it's the full. Again, the double fulfillment of prophecy, I don't think it was the fullness of what that is. In 40 AD, which is after Jesus spoke these words, um, there was Caligula, I don't know how to say his name perfectly right, but he was an emperor of Rome that actually created the We invite him onto the
0: podcast and he could
1: he could tell us. <laughs> he could tell us, except he died 2,000 years ago. Yeah. That. And, and he's not coming back like Jesus will. Uh, but he made a, a, a statue of himself and he, uh, he commanded for it to be set up in the temple. We don't think from history that actually was ever set up. Okay, so I would say that's what some will argue for that. Uh, I don't think that that's what it is. Finally, uh, Titus... And this is the one that I think you could argue for, uh, being uh, the one that takes the place of the Antichrist in what those double fulfillment believe will happen in the end, I believe, will happen in the end in the temple. Titus is the one who conquered Jerusalem. And Titus uh, killed so many Jews, he was, many say, an evil man. And he also went into the temple, and before destroying this temple, he sacrificed a pig uh, on the altar. Josephus writes about what went on. He's a Jewish historian when, when that happened. So he is the one that I would say most would argue for being Answering that question, again, this question was, in 70 AD, was the temple desecrated before its destruction? Was there a man of sin at that time, too? Titus sacrificed a pig in the altar in the temple, interrupted worship, destroyed it. There it is. Okay, so I'm going to—this is not in the
0: sheet, but I want you to talk about it, is why do we need to know this prophecy? In other words, someone listening to this podcast right now, possibly even turned us off because we're using big words, tribulation. You keep saying abomination, but um, why? Why? Why say okay? But really, it's just watching and waiting on Jesus coming. Why do we need to? Why do we need to care about this?
1: Well, Jesus tells us in Mark chapter fourteen. Uh, as I say, fourteen thirteen, he he says you need to be on guard. Right, you need to watch out. And you stay awake. Uh, Now, there's hope there, and we talked about this. There's two ways that we can look at this passage. When the world is going the wrong direction... Uh, it's a reminder for us that that actually is the birth pains that are leading us the right direction to Jesus, right? So there's hope there. The baby will be born. He's going to be much better when he returns, right, during the birth pains. And then secondarily, I think there is this, it keeps us alert. Like I, I gave the illustration on Sunday. When I know I'm in an area where there's probably going to be police officers, I'm a very good driver, right? And, uh, and the the parables that he tells in uh, Matthew chapter 24 and 25, in the uh, same discourse, uh, he just there's more words to it for us in Matthew, pointed this over and over and over again. Uh, he, he, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, to those who have been investing their time when he returns, and he wants us to do that.
0: Okay, back to the questions. Um, so this person asks, and I know we even debated this uh, last week as we were talking about it, verse 32, how does God know but Jesus does, uh, let me read it correctly. How does God know, but not Jesus, if they went in the same? So I know that's the end part of the question, but that's all we got, but kind of ask the question and then say it again.
1: Yeah, and I think they're referring to specifically in verse 32 of Mark chapter 13. It says, but, but concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the sun. But only the Father. What does that mean? Okay. And I would also tell you, this is not the only place that this is said. Again, uh, before he was ascended into heaven in Acts chapter one, they ask him, When are you going to establish your kingdom here on earth? Not for you to know the day and time, but that the Father has established by his own authority. Like he sets it off, like it, but you will receive power. So, what's going on here? Okay. Similar. To our church, uh, when we teach on uh, men and women, like uh, you, you need, they said in the question that they are one and the same. We do not believe Jesus and God are one and the same person. We believe they're three persons, right? But they're all three, Holy Spirit included in this, part of the Trinity, God, fully God. We do not believe they have the same role. It's clear right? When Jesus came, he died. Does that mean God didn't die? Well, Jesus is God, but he's not God the Father. God the Father didn't die. The Holy Spirit didn't die. Jesus died, right? Uh, he had a unique role to play in salvation. He sent us the Holy Spirit to to live in our lives and to walk with us every day, to be our comforter, to be our. Uh, does that. Is God in our life? Well, God is in our life but through the Holy Spirit. It's not that God the Father's, it's the Holy Spirit's in our life. So there, there's different roles. Does that mean because Jesus died, he's better than God or he's less? No, he had a unique role. So it's not just, I think, the. Did he not know this? I mean, I don't think Jesus was omnipresent when he was here on earth, right? Uh, He was with his disciples in one location, and he would leave people to go be with his disciples. Well, God the Father is omnipresent, okay? That does not mean Jesus was not God. He was playing a different role at that time. So in a similar way, uh, I believe that at this time, uh, Jesus had given up uh, Philippians chapter two tells us he emptied himself, he became the form of man, he humbled himself so that he could come and die in our place. and I think that helps explain this. He was not not God. Uh, he was God. He was not God the Father, right? And when he was here on earth, he had chosen to give up some of those godlike attributes so that he could fully serve us here. Uh, you have thoughts on that?. Uh. I mean, it's,
0: it's, I go back to more questions than answers with that because I I think all the time, how was he fully God, fully man? You know, he's born as a baby, even going back to there. And, and you preached on this over Christmas or, or maybe it was last Christmas, getting confused right now as I'm saying this. But it's, it's that whole, how was he, you know, all those things. And, and you're saying he wasn't omnipresent and my mind's going there, but could he have been? Possibly, you know that kind of thing. It's that whole—he was restricted to the the things we're restricted to because we're human and man. But at the same time, he's fully God too. That's right. You know, that's a because he had to be to die on the cross. You know, or else he's not per- perfect, pure sacrifice. So it's it's one of those you can't really explain, and the more you try to explain, you you dig up more and more questions, and yep. you're digging the deeper hole. Not not meaning that that way, but more. You just keep yeah. those questions lead to more questions, lead to more questions, lead to more questions. It's really it Sounds good. like an episode of National Treasure because I just watched that where they're looking for clues and they say those questions lead to more questions, lead to more questions, any of that. Really right? good. And really. we do have a great treasure waiting for us.
1: So yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, keep going.
0: Okay. So moving on, we, I think we got time for one more question. Okay. Good. Uh, a few more came in, but we'll jump to this one. And it's a longer question. So I'm going to read the first of it. If you want to go elaborate more, you can. Okay. But it says, when thinking about how exciting it is, so this, I actually picked this one out for you because of you get, you get pretty excited as I've made fun of you on this podcast. So, ADD. Uh, but about it's not the ADD, you get excited about it. And it's fun to see. <laughs> I it's am. It's fun excited. to see. like, talking 50 miles an hour, but when thinking about how—and I talk fast too, so I'm saying that—how uh, exciting it is that God is returning soon. How do we fight the discouragement that, quote, soon is relative in God God's terms? And I know in your sermon you were talking about that, uh, what is the day, all that to God, and you were kind of trying to explain all that, but How do we fight that discouragement?
1: Yeah, and it goes on to talk about in that question just that there's we know in the prophecies that not only that we don't know when he comes back, but that it's going to get more painful. Like, And so how can you be hopeful in in that, I think is the, the question. I think it's a great question because the end times, the Bible tells us, are going to be incredibly painful, right? We also don't know that he is coming today. And some of you right now that are listening are just trying to make it through today. And, and you are struggling hard, whatever that is, to feed your family, to find the next job, that you're battling anxiety, depression, uh, a, a suicidal thoughts. And you're thinking, okay, I don't know if Jesus is going to come back today. I, I, I can't imagine making it till tomorrow, right?
0: And, and you're even wearing that mask of everything is fine.
1: Yep. You're yep.
0: driving in the car right now, and you go, I have to tell everybody's fine, and it's not.
1: Yeah. So here, here's what I would tell you. When Jesus left, when Jesus left, he didn't say, you're not going to know when I'm going to come back, and I'm going to leave you alone. Uh, he said the opposite. He said, I'm going to be with you always, even to, and I think that means if there's not a pre-trib rapture, I believe there will be, that means even through the end of the age. So... If you're a follower of Jesus, you are not alone. We are not waiting on heaven to walk with Christ. We get to experience some of the kingdom, even in this pain here and now, right? And when the pain gets increases, there can be hope in that, just like a mom in childbirth as she's going through the labor pains, right? There can be hope in that because that pain is something Jesus knew was going to come. And He told us it was going to come. And in Him knowing it was going to come, He said it's going to end. I'm going to wipe away every t- tear from every eye. So does that make it perfect? No. But that's where I'm, I'm able to find hope in it. He's with me, and He's told me that this pain is temporary. There's going to be an end, and I think soon. And I think that,
0: that pushes us into the good news of Easter. And why is Good Friday so good? And and I do say that was a professional segue there, yeah, there <laughs> as we go. Yeah. Okay, but let me look forward to uh, just what's coming up. It's basically we have a gentleman, as I said um, earlier in the podcast, going to do the Seder and present the Seder to Can't us. Can't wait. And yeah. kind of show us. And then we hit Palm Sunday, and there's some devotions that week. And then, again, I don't know when you're listening to this, so it might have already passed. But if not, we want you to invite someone to that. And then the Good Friday experience. We transform the hallways and you can walk through and kind of experience what Christ went through that that night of Good Friday. Yeah. And then Saturday, we've got events for the whole kids. We're now calling it Easter Fest. Uh, so be sure to bring, a, invite a neighbor. Maybe you know someone in your neighborhood that's younger in age, and we'd love to come to that great time, bounce houses, all that kind of stuff that has normally been at our other Easter stuff, but that. then that night, we start our first service at 5.30, and that the next morning, Sunday, we start celebration services at 7.30. Seven. Seven, sorry. Sunrise. I corrected myself quickly. You You did. Seven. Sunrise outside by the crosses. That Saturday is inside, but Saturday by the crosses join us. And then 8.30, Ten and eleven thirty, and we're good to go. Um, all that kind of stuff, but kind of we're we're after that. What we're excited about because we were talking about prophecy all day today, both Sam and I, is we're going to be looking at Daniel, which you probably know the fiery the furnace and Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and the lions den. But there's so much more to Daniel, and just looking ahead to that. That from kind of chapter seven on, we're going to hit a chapter a week, kind of like we did Mark. So, why don't you kind of wrap us up, Sam? I would encourage you, remember, we said at the first share this. That's how people find out. Share, like, review, all those kinds of stuff. If you do have a question about what we said, or maybe Daniel or something coming up, text the word question 96123. And then uh, you wrap us up,
1: Sam. There is a real kingdom and a real king. His name is Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. In his love and by his grace, He lived a perfect life, died for your sin, rose again, and is coming again. Repent, believe, follow him, and be part of his kingdom now and forever.
0: Thank you for joining us this week on Q&A at Deeper Dive. We hope you'll like, subscribe, and share this podcast along with others. You can submit your questions by texting QUESTION to 96123, and we'll discuss those each week. Again, thank you for joining us.